0: You made it. I made it. We're here. This is By a Thread. It's a podcast project I started to highlight some of the incredible, amazing, badass women that I am lucky enough to meet in my career as a freelance journalist. My name is Michelle, and I have written for outlets like Oh, The Oprah Magazine, Marie Claire, Seventeen, Cosmo, Teen Vogue, and hopefully many, many more in the future. I write primarily about health, but also entertainment, design, travel, big celebrity pop culture nerd, I'm a fangirl, and in all those various areas and industries, I come across so many incredible stories that I just want to share, and so here we are, and by a thread is really just to imply that, you know, even though everything may look shiny and put together, and glossy and perfect on the outside we're all just trying and sometimes feel like we're hanging on by a thread and also the thread of storytelling and just hanging out so hanging on hanging out and we're gonna kick things off today with one of my favorite humans who I have never met in real life but we had an incredible Skype conversation her name is Megan Jane crab and you may know her if you don't you will as body Posy panda she has over a million followers on Instagram She is such an inspiration and light. She has rainbow hair and badass dance moves, and I adore her. She's also an author. Her book is called Body Positive Power, because life is already happening and you don't need flat abs to live it. What a title. She has been featured in numerous outlets, most recently the New York Times, which is so cool. And I just think she is providing so much inspiration and motivation and... She takes no bullshit and she talks very openly and candidly about her feelings about the diet industry. Spoiler alert, they're not great. She's just the best and we had such a great talk and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So here is my conversation with the beautiful inside and out Megan Jane Crab, Body Posse Panda. Enjoy. Thank you so much for talking with me, especially given that this is, like, not a super defined project.
1: I uh, know, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Like, you um, you have been very supportive of me over mm. this last year, and I appreciate it, so I'm so uh, happy to talk to you. Well, I am so grateful for you. You've done so
0: much for me and a million people uh, who follow you on Instagram and more who read the book. So I'm just so grateful you exist, and I can't imagine if someone like you were in my world when I was growing up um, I think you're making such a difference so I just want to spread the word about you and um, I'm I just basically I, I told you a little bit over email but I'm just frustrated that I need so many incredible women and you are at the top of my list um, who I just want to talk about and there may not be like newsy about it um, and I just want to spread the word so hopefully I don't know if these are gonna be podcasts or articles or both but I want to just start talking and, and make it into something. So, yeah, yeah
1: sounds awesome. it sounds like the right reason to start something.
0: Thank you. I hope so. Yeah, um, frustration is usually a good way to like, get the ball on something. <laughs> if we can start a little bit just about your background, general, like where you grew up, family, all of that, that would be awesome. Okay, so background.
1: I um so I grew up in a small town in Essex in the UK. I have an older brother, AJ, and my older sister, Gemma. Uh and um I had a, a lovely childhood, really. I um aside from body image issues, you know, it was it was wonderful and joyful. I liked school, had yeah. friends, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um I'm not used to like talking about like vague <laughs> vague my background. Um so the 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 image background is um that i well the first time i remember feeling like i hated my body is when i was 5 years old and i had just started primary school um and i had picked up on dieting super super young as well because i had read it in my mom's magazines i had heard all the women in my life talking about it and i kind of sussed really early on that dieting was a part of of life for females that's just that's just what i thought it was. Um, And I got pretty hooked on that by the time I was 10. Uh, And the dieting over the years became more and more restrictive and more and more obsessive and uh, spiraled into anorexia nervosa when I was 14. So it took me a couple of years to try and claw my way out of that. Uh, And then I went right back to dieting again.
0: I think what a lot of people don't talk about, which I really appreciate that you get into in the book, is that kind of like... It's not a a straight line necessarily and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. dieting is a very slippery slope and especially when you come from a disordered background and I think that was kind of my journey as well kind of like halfway out and not really out and let's talk about the Instagram account because how did this start and like did you ever expect it to get to where it is now?
1: I mean when when I started the Instagram account there was no such thing as like Instagram famous mm-hmm. like there was really no such thing as influencers there were YouTubers but it was not like on other social media channels mm-hmm. and um, I I started it as a personal journal from being obsessed with dieting that's what I used to post about uh, I used to just follow people for goal bodies and weight loss mm-hmm. tips and fits both and I found the body positive community online and I just wanted to post the things that I was learning and connect with the people I was meeting from that. Um, and that's what I started to do. And then people started to, to pick up on it. And it was still fairly unknown back then. Like nobody was really talking about body positivity in the mainstream media. Um, and as it snowballed, it picked up in the media and it was all an accident. Like I, I had not planned to become an influencer I still don't even like that word because I don't I just I don't think I am one I think I'm just a person who starting an account um and yeah and here we are so yeah it was quite quite organic and now it's um it there was a point where basically it stopped being for me and started being for other people which is a wonderful Thing that obviously I'm so grateful that it can be for other people, but of course now it's like, it's nothing, it's nothing like what it was when it started. It, it's, and, and the thing is me running it, I'm still, I'm still like, I, I'm the only person behind it. There's no like trickery going on, but people don't really know me. They just turn me into what they need, right. which is a very interesting position to be in in that kind of balance of how much of myself and my life do I show or do I just try and be this like figure of inspiration um the kind of where's the boundary between you know trying to be authentic but still trying to protect yourself it can be it can be a tricky a tricky thing to to balance out and I don't get it right a lot of the time at all
0: this is, like, unprecedented in history that there is such a thing as this, right? Um, exactly. A beautiful job. Um, is that tricky? Like, I mean, navigating, are you kind of hesitant to get into details of your personal life? I mean, you obviously do reveal so much, and, like, you give people such insight into your life. Um, are there things that you prefer to keep private and that you just want to, like, or you've learned to reserve for yourself?
1: Um. I would say that every so often I catch myself not being fully myself Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time it's not even intentional and I realise that actually I've just been uh, trying to please like the masses and I've just been kind of watering myself down a bit or not being quite as like sassy or just opinionated or you know something as I usually am in everyday life and then I will catch myself and I'll think no I want to be more me Mm -hmm. but then when I'm more me less people like me (laughs) um so it's like that catch 22 um and that's the balance I'm trying to figure out because I I don't want to feel inauthentic but obviously when you are in this position of being an influencer you also don't want to alienate your following right so That is, yeah, that's something that I'm still working out. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine the, you know, the nuances of it and how tricky it is just day to day figuring out and you're really just writing the rules um, and probably, you know, having a lot of trial and error. From a perspective of someone who follows you, it's all very seamless and put together. But um, I imagine that there's a lot that goes into it. When did you start the account?
1: It was nearly four years ago now. Yeah, some four years ago. It's
0: kind of incredible. I mean, that's not that long of a time. It's really like so much. It doesn't
1: feel it. It has like it. It doesn't feel like four years. It seems like a few weeks ago that I was like um, in the like the 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 groups we used to have like we when it was a really small community, our main communication was this page called uh, Pizza Sisters for Life. Mm. And that was like the group page. And we connected through that. We set each other challenges. Um, and it was a real like community. Uh, it's not that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, in a lot of ways, it does. It does still feel like that was yeah. such a short time ago.
0: Was that through Facebook or how did you guys do that?
1: No, that was Instagram.
0: And so the book, how did the book come about? Was that, did you always want to write a book or did someone approach you to do it?
1: So. I it's kind of been a like a like a one day goal of mine for since forever um, because I have always loved books like Ben my boyfriend literally makes fun of me and calls my books my friends uh, and I uh, this book came about because I just got an email a couple of years ago uh, and the email address said penguin and it was this person saying have you ever considered writing a book and obviously I lost my shit and (laughs) was like oh my god yes whatever this takes let's do it let's make it happen uh because books for me had been so instrumental in my own healing of my body relationships so uh the beauty myth um health at every size fat so by marilyn wang like all of these like iconic mainly like 90s (laughs) feminist body image based books had really been my backbone in my body acceptance journey. So I wanted to take everything that I had learned from them and kind of try and update it a little bit and put it out for a new a new audience to find. So that's how it came about and then it was 9 months of writing every day. Um I uh, <laughs> I was not in therapy when I began writing and I very quickly found a therapist. Thank and God. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and then yeah, there well, it was. So
0: doing that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was. I saw something. I think it's Busy Phillips because she just came out with a book, and she said that um writing a book is like ten years of therapy in one year, or something like that. Like it's just like oh it takes your soul. Yes. Uh, I think that's incredible. um And I'm so glad you made the segue extremely natural, because um, what I love about your book is that you do talk so much about some of those kind of iconic books that you mentioned, Naomi Wolf, like The Body Myth, really, for me, was one of the first instances where it was just so different to me than other books that kind of painted, like recovery books that painted a little bit of a Pollyanna, like optimistic, I don't know, something about it didn't feel, it didn't sit authentically with me and with the body myth it made me so fucking angry and I love that you harness that in your book and really convey that because for me that I found that extremely motivating of the fact that there's so much more to this than appearance and beauty so can you talk a little bit about how you know that anger toward the diet industry and these arbitrary cultural norms like how is that motivating for you and what do you hope other people get from that
1: so I think, um, my anger wasn't something that I ever felt that I was able to feel because I'd spent my entire life blaming myself. Mm. So all the anger I had ever felt about my body, I just turned inwards and thought it was my fault. I wasn't strong enough. I didn't have the willpower, you know, all these, all these things that diet culture tells us every day are the reasons why we hate our body. And when I actually found out that the reason was not me and there are thousands of reasons why we feel the way we do our bodies and about our bodies and they have been so carefully crafted and sold to us so that the biggest industries in the world can profit from our insecurities that flipped something in my brain and that it was like a moment of wow I have hated myself for my entire life so that someone else can make money off of me. Wow. Um and I don't know. I think I think I found it a bit conspiracy theory at first. <laughs> but then I actually did my research and I sat and thought about it and I I kind of got to thinking, okay, when was the first time I actually thought my body was wrong? Where did that come from? It wasn't it didn't come from inside. Absolutely none of us are born hating our bodies. It comes from outside of us somehow. And that means that it wasn't my fault. That means that it's never been my fault. And all of this anger I had towards myself because I thought I was to blame.
0: You're such a beautiful writer and so articulate and you speak just as eloquently. So it's just I think you really have an amazing ability to really just articulate these very emotional (laughs) situations and you know, the, the emotion and and you rationalize a lot of it, which, you know, from someone coming from an eating disorder and who's dealt with this, it's not always rational. It's not always logical. It's just a lot of feelings. Um, so mm. I think it's impressive to me that you've been able to, you know, just break it down in a way that's extremely cohesive and, and relatable and understandable. So I thank you for that. Thank you. I really do. And in the book, you talk a lot you, you make it a point to break down what body positivity is, and what a lot of people get wrong, and what I always see on because I do read the comments, which I know is like number one rule shouldn't do. But there's always that argument of what about your health or you know, but your health and your health, and <laughs> I really want to know to you first of all what to you body positivity actually means, and what what is your what do you say back to people who try to make it about your health
1: yeah so um i think at the moment we have a very skewed idea of body positivity uh, which happens to any movement that gets picked up in in the way that body positivity has by the media it will get watered down and watered down and twisted into whatever suits their agenda or whatever suits each, each individual's gender agenda but i think For me, at the root of it, body positivity has to be about respect and respect is not dependent on how someone's body looks or how well it functions and you perceive their health or whether you are attracted to them. That is not it at all. It is simply the fact that all bodies, which is all shapes, all sizes, all shades, all genders, all ages, all abilities, are worthy of respect and And to be treated with human dignity because they are human, because they exist simply because they are here, taking up space. They deserve to be treated with respect. And I think, well, that doesn't sit well with people for a lot of reasons. And the the health argument is probably the one that we hear the most, that body positive people hear the most, and it comes from people just being conditioned by a seriously fat phobic cultural narrative that you know fatness in any amount is the worst possible thing for our health and that is also a personal choice and a personal failure um and there is just such a huge huge body of evidence that is ever growing that that's just not the case and that to to say that All there is to health is weight, is reductive and fat phobic and just inaccurate. So first of all, I like to uh, point these people in the direction of a little bit of health at every size. Um, Most of the time they don't choose to go and pursue that because they actually don't want their opinion to be changed. Um, So, yeah, health at every size, the fact that truly, truly you cannot tell how healthy someone is just from looking at them. There are so, so many factors that go into health. Uh, and they never ask about any of those you know I never I never have a a concern troll come onto my page and be like hey do you smoke or did you get a good night's sleep when was the last time you went to the gynecologist how much water have you had to drink today like they don't they don't actually care about anything to do with health other than how your body looks to them so that's that's another thing and also this um this idea that health is a moral imperative and that we have to prove our health and we have to be in perfect health in order to earn our happiness or be seen in the world, which is absurd because like life isn't the Hunger Games. Like we are not battling like literally every day for our survival to be able to exist in the world. That's just that's, that's just not what's going on. And yet they really, really do think that health is a marker of human value. They really do think it's OK to rank individuals based on what they perceive their health to be. Um And I think that that is just another form of prejudice that is truly no better than judging someone for how they look. It is ableist. It is healthism. It's just bullshit. It's just such bullshit. And... The thing is, whenever people come in with the health argument, they kind of storm in, all guns blazing, often insult you in the process, really belittle you, harass you, try and make you feel like you are worthless because you are not healthy. Never once considering the impact that that has on your mental health and Mm. the fact that mental health is also health. So once again, they do not care about your health in the slightest because if they did they actually might recognize that teaching people to see value in themselves teaching people that they are worth something regardless of how their body looks that's one of the healthiest things you can do for people not even just mentally but physically as well and there are there are also studies that show that when you teach people that they are worth something they are more likely to take better care of themselves physically but these people don't want to know that
0: Oh my God. I want. To just, I mean, some kind of spiritual, like something you could do like every Sunday, just like give a sermon. This is like, I wish I could like, broadcast this from the rooftop. It's so important. And it's so, it is really, I, I just really wish that I had gotten these messages in the way that you deliver them growing up because it does feel like undoing brainwashing. Like it really does feel like, this has to be, it has to be said in this way over and over and over again, because there's so many other voices screaming the contrary. So my God, thank you for saying it and saying it the way you do. Another thing in the book is that you, you delve into your background and the disorder, but you are really careful to offer trigger warnings and to be very delicate with the details. And I think you do such an impressive job of um, conveying it accurately, but without glamorizing it, which you know, I watched all the movies growing up also, um, and a lot of them, I, I when I did my master's project in school, I showed a clip from, like, a Lifetime movie, and so many of them really offered more tips than anything, and I think that's a lot of the criticism that's that's come along with a lot of eating disorder literature and, and movies as well. What was that thought process like for you, trying to figure out, like, how much to tell, how to tell it? What was that like? Yeah
1: that was um it was definitely one of the things that i i worried about the most and i think with potentially triggering content it's going to be different for everyone i think everyone who is in recovery will have different triggers and some of them are kind of unavoidable. You can't predict what, you know, what is going to damage some people's recovery. So even even now, I will read back that chapter and still feel like, oh, maybe I oh, don't think I should have said that or oh, probably shouldn't have mentioned that. But at the time, at the time, what I wanted to do is tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to reclaim a part of my life and own a part of my life that I had spent so many years pretending didn't happen so after I um, began recovery and restored the weight that I had lost I was kind of just considered recovered and I, I talk in the book as well about the difference between being weight restored and being recovered obviously they're not the same thing you can still be mentally struggling at any size but the people around me just wanted me to be recovered so badly that we all just pretended I was and I didn't mention it again uh, I never spoke about it out loud I um I would read the word anorexia in a, a book or a magazine and my whole body would burn up and I would feel so much shame because I had just cloaked that part of my life away for myself and for everyone else around me so we didn't have to face it and writing that chapter was taking the cloak off, and it was peeling back all these layers of shame that I had been plastering on, and telling the truth, and that's what I wanted to do. And the trigger warnings was something that I thought of right at the end after I had written the entire rest of the book, and I had gone back and written and uh, read this chapter that I I wrote first, uh, and I just I just thought this whole the whole point of the book is for people to heal for people to um, feel like they can go out into the world as they are and feel good about their bodies if there's anything in here that is potentially going to do the opposite I want to give them fair warning at least mm-hmm. um, and apparently it's it's not something that like books usually have. Um, have mm-hmm. and my editor was like this isn't this isn't usually a thing but I think it's a really good idea Um and she actually is an eating disorder survivor as well, so I was even conscious of her reading it, um, and that's how that's how that came about.
0: It's so nice to hear when people can use that experience to really support and like the fact that you were paired with someone who was comfortable enough even telling you that. I mean, as I as I've written about eating disorders over the years, I feel like every time I mention to someone like, "Oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm writing about," they're like, "Oh, I've dealt with that," or "Oh, I, I've struggled with some form of that," and it's mm-hmm. it's amazing how that doesn't get said until someone else kind of brings it up, brings it to the table. So I think it's really awesome that you were able to work with someone who you could talk about that with and relate to that with. We talked a little bit about social media <laughs> and obviously it's, I say this all the time that the internet is kind of like a disgusting cesspool, but it brings amazing people into my life. And so I can't, mm-hmm. I've made such great friendships. I would have never met you otherwise. And so you know, it has these bright spots, um, and it clearly has given you this incredible platform. What is your relationship to social media, I guess, overall? I mean, clearly, there's a lot of positives, and then there's the negatives. So what are your thoughts on it?
1: Oh, God, um, it, <laughs> it changes. It changes day to day. I mean, there are days when I am so thankful for the people that I've met. I feel connected to people. I feel inspired by what I'm seeing. And there are other days where I want to burn it all to the ground. Like it's it's it is such a uh, a double edged sword. I think my main issue with social media at the moment is that it is incredibly good at dehumanizing people and Making us all forget the humanity of the person on the other side of our screens, whether that is, you know, in terms of trolls or even just in terms of community or even people we know. We completely forget the emotions and the mental health and the experiences that are going into what these people put out there. We are so quick to judge. We are so quick to leave critical comments, uh, make indirect sub or like posts about people and I think we need to take a step back and um try to connect with each other as human beings more and I'm not entirely sure how we do that on a platform that is so surface value I don't know uh I am um, that's something that I also try and grapple with is whether uh, how do I make people see me as a human uh, a full multi-dimensional flawed but still you know worthy of respect human how do i do that and i don't know i don't know you've caught me on a a, a negative social media day i was feeling better about it yesterday
0: <laughs> no and i i mean i think that's that's real and i think that everyone kind of deals with that and you deal with it on a much grander scale um so i can't even imagine like what you deal with day to day I mean, part of my next question was, and I've talked to some of the other women that I'm bringing into this project a lot about imposter syndrome, but more, I'm curious with you, like just kind of that pressure to what you said, you you serve as kind of this, um, I guess a vessel for people to see whatever they want to see or interpret it as they want to interpret it. Like what is the pressure like and how do you cope with it? How do you care for yourself? And how do you, you know, tune out the negative voices that make you, you know, doubt yourself or wanna burn it all to the ground. What do you <laughs> do on those days?
1: I go to therapy. So my um my therapist when I started seeing her I had no idea what Instagram was. Uh doesn't use it, like doesn't really know social media. She now she knows. She knows the ins and outs of everything to do with Instagram. Um, and all the relationships, the communities—like she knows it all. So I, uh, I talk to her. Um, I, I don't cope with it well a lot of the time. I think I'm, I'm someone who has always put too much value in people liking me. I am still quite a people pleaser, and I am working every day on not giving too much power to random people liking me or not um and saving that for just the few that matter uh but I do um I do still get huge amounts of anxiety I have panic attacks I get heartbroken every time someone who I thought was my friend or my ally in this community actually turns out to secretly dislike me um it is it's hot it's horrible and it and it happens again and again and I didn't realized coming into it that that would be such a huge part of social media and that even the people who were my first supporters and my first friends in the community would start to see me as an account instead of a person and that has happened again and again as well Um even people who I've known for years so I uh yeah I cope by going to therapy crying out just taking breaks when I need to I'm getting a bit better at that you know I'm not like making myself post every day anymore which I did for years Mm -hmm. um and I'm just I think I'm going through the process of just learning that nobody else gets to define me uh like none of these people whether they are strangers or trolls or people who've known me they don't get to tell me who I am. Uh, They don't get to tell me what my intentions are. They don't get to tell me whether I'm a good person because I should know me better. Um, And so I'm working on cultivating that, you know, stronger sense of who I am to the point that other people's opinions don't have the power to destroy me. And that is something that I think I'm going to be doing for my entire life because it's not, it's not how I've been raised to be. I've been raised to try and make people like me and, and please everyone else before, before myself. So yeah, that's definitely a process. I'm not even sure if that's the question. (laughs) That's the (laughs) question
0: you asked. I'm just like blown away because I relate so much. And I mean, I'm 34 and it's just like, this doesn't doesn't get easier and I feel like I don't want to tell it's not that I want to convey that to young people like it'll always be hard it's um <laughs> there's no like magic date or age by which you like figure it all out and you're like I'm a self-sufficient human I don't need to worry about any mm-hmm. of that um so and I you know picking up the book again this week I ordered the uk version when it first came out so I which I think was last year so I really wanted to like reread it and get refamiliarized with it so I was um Looking at it this week, and I brought it to therapy on Monday. <laughs> and I had Aww. a particularly like, you know, I and I I so I have never been an inpatient, but I've been into outpatient um, treatment programs and um, have been doing really well since the last one, which was like four years ago. Um, and so I guess my my timeline with you is somewhat similar, but you know, definitely still have hard times and triggering times. And I had a dressing room experience on Sunday that. Did not go well. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I had therapy the next day and I I realized that, like, reading your book and reading your post, for me, it reminds me of all the things you just said, of, like, whether, you know, whether it's difficult for you to put into practice personally or not, like, you're, you do such a good job of inspiring people like me to remember those things because, you know, it is always, I think it's always easier to preach rather than practice on yourself, so it makes sense to me that you know, that you have times that you struggle with that, but you're putting out messages to remind other people. So I'm just so grateful for that because you really have helped me a lot. And I know that that's true for a lot of people. So yeah. And I want you to care for yourself and continue doing that. So (laughs) I will always understand if you need a long break from social media. Talking about kind of reclaiming yourself and that part of your life and your hair and your dance videos bring me so much joy. <laughs> and yeah, no, you've, I mean, the hair and the dance videos just, they make me so happy. And so they just bring me so much joy. And as someone who's like, I'm drawn, just like, look at my phone case. Like, I just like sparkly objects Ooh. and colors are like, <laughs> like a magpie just like drawn to it. So for me, like just seeing you project that really like makes me so happy. When did that Come into your life both the the movement and the the hair and just like bright colors and how has that helped you
1: (laughs) i think um i think it was just like a gradual letting go of all of these never-ending rules that i had about what i'm allowed to wear or what's flattering what colors are slimming and just saying fuck it to all of them um and i used to uh Back when I was dieting, I had, like, super long, golden, like, brown with golden streaks, like, wavy hair, and that was, like, my pride and joy, and I hid behind it so much, um, and I just wanted to look like a Kardashian, essentially, mm-hmm. and then I found Body Positivity, realized this, cut my hair off up to my chin, stopped wearing makeup, and started to actually explore what made me happy, and colors colors bring me joy and I put some colors in my hair shortly after that just on the ends then I went all over and now I have an entirely pastel wardrobe and (laughs) year-round rainbow hair um (laughs) and the videos um the videos weren't my invention they were back when it was the pizza sisters they were a challenge so one person in the community came up with this idea of let's all pick the same song and let's all have like individual dance parties and post it so that we can appreciate how our bodies like move around and it was terrifying
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i actually got my very first troll comment on my first ever dance video which was to taylor swift shake it off but they were such a um they were such a good challenge to to my body image to healing that uh because you know it's it's easy enough to pose in like the most conventionally flattering way or manipulate an image you can't do that with a video and the more I did them the more freeing it felt the more joyful it was and yeah now they are a regular a regular staple
0: (laughs) and I love so coming back to Gemma she's in your videos quite a bit and Mm -hmm. I watching your relationship with her so beautiful and I love it and I am very close to my sister as well can you talk a little bit about her and the role she plays in your life?
1: Sure. So uh, Gemma, uh, I am at Gemma's house now. Um, have been for a couple of weeks. So I have been one of Gemma's primary carers for five years now. Um, obviously, I'd grown up with her my entire life before that. But now she has her own house and she has a, a cycle of carers who come in. I do weekends usually i've just been here for longer because the other person's away and we hang out and we do boring stuff like we go food shopping or we go out for a meal sometimes we go to the cinema and sometimes we film dance videos (laughs) uh and she is she is the most joyful human being um ever ever uh she is so so happy with her life um she is sassy very opinionated um she can equally be a bit of a dickhead sometimes you don't see that like she's always like adorable and cute when the camera's on her she can also be a bit of a dickhead which I I love to be honest about her uh yeah and um so she's probably the person that I spend the most time with in in my life and I I didn't have her as part of my social media for ages until she showed an interest in it um And she started asking whether she can, whether we can do something together, like a dance video or like a YouTube video. And and now she loves it. Like she absolutely loves that she is more popular than me on my own channel. Like nothing <laughs> brings her more joy. She will sit there and like I will read her the comments that l- literally say, "Megan, you're all right, but we love Gemma." <laughs> she will just like cackle to herself. She's so happy about it. Um, yeah, she's a. Uh, she's a babe.
0: Well, it's awesome to see. It's just really clear watching you guys that you give each other just as much love and joy that you get from the other person. So it's really cool to watch. And I don't, I'm conscious of the fact like I could ask you 8 billion questions and keep talking to you and I don't want to keep you on the phone forever. So I'll start to wrap it up, but you talk a lot in the book about kind of wanting to go back and hug your younger self or, you know, show some love to that younger version of yourself. And now, you kind of have the opportunity to do that via all these people that follow you. And you convey so many messages, but if you had to like condense it down, what is like the one thing that you just really want to be known for and wish to impart on young people that you wish you could have given to yourself?
1: I think that would be that you have more to offer the world than fitting into a made-up standard of beauty. You have more to give than a body or what other people think of your body. You have too much to be doing to spend your entire life just shrinking yourself uh, and seeing yourself as an object for other people's, you know, viewing pleasure. That is not what you are here for. It has never been what you are here for. So, you know, what I want is for people to step out of that narrative that their body is the most important thing they have to offer the world and realize that it's the least important thing about them and they have so much living to do that they deserve to do in whatever body they have and anyone who tries to tell them otherwise can fuck off (laughs) 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 to put it to put it simply i mean yeah that's that's it that's it i think yeah yeah recognize recognize the bullshit and go and reclaim your body and reclaim your life because it is too short it is too short to spend dieting it is too short to spend hating your body there's too much other good shit to do oh
0: my god am i like gonna cry <laughs> that's, all. I mean, that's it what else can you say that's it that's perfect literally is there anything else to say there's nothing else to say she's incredible and every mic around the world dropped the second she stopped talking I hope you love Megan because how could you not she's the best Megan I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk with you this was the best and what a way to kick off this project I'm so excited for what's in store I talked to a lot of other incredible women who I can't wait to share with you guys um, again, if you are craving more Megan in your life, as you should be, she's Body posi Panda on Instagram, B O D Y P O S I P A N D A. And she's over on Twitter as well, same name with an underscore after. And you can also visit her website, which is bodyposypanda.com. And if you're curious to know a little bit more about me and my background and what I'm working on, if you want to hire me, I love being hired. You can find me at michellekmedia.com. I'm also on Instagram, michellekmedia, and on Twitter, same name with a verified check mark. It's the only place on the internet where I'm a verified human. So come on over. Sometimes I share really awkward dating observations. You just don't know what you're gonna get. I'm so happy and thankful for anyone who listened and I can't wait for what's to come. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.